Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Today we're going to be talking about God making all things new, just like our scripture was referencing. And as we're kind of stepping towards the end of 2021, we're going to spend some time reflecting on this. This is part of a sermon series called Traveling with Our Ancestors. This has been a fabulous sermon series about um, the people who have gone before us, Christians who have strove for justice, people who acted, committed out of love. We, um, in today's reading, we learned about the child of two enslaved people who like fundraised for a whole mission project that like went and changed people's lives. And um, this kind of thing is what is most important um, for us to remember in this series, that, that we're, we're not alone in our journey, that there are people who have gone before us, and that there is wisdom being passed down the line for us to receive and ultimately to pass on. And this is all thanks to this fabulous devotional book by Shonda Rani Ja. I did watch YouTube uh, interviews with her to make sure I was pronouncing her name right, and she does prefer Shonda for uh, that first name, and uh, very grateful for that work. If you joined us on Christmas Eve, we uh, talked about the ancestors of Jesus, one of whom was Sarah, who at the age of 90 was given the news that she would be giving birth to a child. And it's funny how many people after the Christmas service were like, if I were Sarah, I would just say no. Like, (laughs) you know, like 90 is is when I start saying no to pregnancy. interestingly that is not uh that was not sarah's response but (laughs) i um i think that it's so valuable that we have these stories that we pass on over the generations because it allows us to empathize with people who are in totally different contexts and yet dealing with the surprises and ups and downs of life just like we are and so Um, One of the questions that I always like to ask myself at the end of 2021, as we're, you know, in this sermon series, but also just in general, is like, what happened in the past year? What happened in 2021? And you can uh, put in the chat, like, what are some of the main um, uh, highlights that are as far as like news headlines that happened in 2021? Because there were some pretty significant things, if you recall from, um, you know, like uh, Biden uh, was inaugurated. I, sometimes it's like hard to even remember that that happened in the same, this same year. Um, and then there was that antsy beansy <laughs> little insurrection that kind of like changed the political landscape of everything. Um, the Chauvin trial happened, of course, like that was a huge thing in the Twin Cities, but I think globally as we're trying to reckon with what it means for us to truly honor black lives and center black lives, um, uh, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan had huge repercussions all over the world, laws like in Texas, but also the Supreme Court uh, coming together. And these are the kind of things that we might come to mind, that that people might um, report back on. But even while this is an important question, I don't believe it is the most important question for our project today. 
um, for what we're focusing on today, I think a much more helpful question as far as like how we are approaching our soul, how we're connecting with God. What about you? <laughs> like, who were you in 2021? What happened in your soul in 2021? To use an old Methodist question, how is it with your soul? How, how does that translate to the last 12 months of your life? When you consider how God poured into your life, or you consider the things that were perhaps extracted out from the empire, when you consider the relationships that arose anew or that were ruptured away, what happened? So I'm going to, um, this is like end of year, very like retreat mode. I'm going to ask you to um, journal on your uh, a worship companion or a notebook that you have handy. And I just want to give you a little bit of time uh, to reflect on like, what were the big events for 2021? And of course, you know, we've already covered the headlines. They're in the chat. I already talked about some of the headlines. Of course, that's important. But I want to know, like, what were the headlines in your life? If your soul were to come out with a newspaper that was like, here's a recap of the past 12 months, what would have been on it? So I'm just going to give you a little bit of time. We're going to have like 30 seconds of silence. I know that silence can sometimes make people uncomfortable, but I also know that some people can't focus unless there's a little bit of silence. So we're just going to have 30 seconds of silence for you to reflect a little bit on what big events happened in your life. What big events happened in your life? I'm setting a timer. See you in 30 seconds. And please uh, continue to reflect on this as, as I continue the sermon. I just wanted to give that silence to give you a head start, but I know that there is much more in your life going on. Um, as you review this list, I want you to start kind of interpreting what happened in your life, just like how a preacher would interpret scripture to be able to convey good news. I want you to start looking at what are the big headlines in your life, and start to do a little bit of interpretation. The fancy word for this um, in seminary is the exegesis, which doesn't mean like the ex of Jesus, like someone who formerly dated Jesus. It's rather about like abiding with the text, using your spiritual senses to, to engage the text in such a way that you start to not just intellectually grasp what good news is about, but rather you start to feel in your whole body what good news is about. One of the ways that I think about it in this exercise is um, what is honey and what is pearls? What is honey and what is pearls? And what I mean by that is um, and you can, as you're going through your um, uh, 
uh, the events of your life, you can start circling what is honey. And by honey, I mean like what is immediately beautiful or gratifying? Like what is something that happened that was like, I loved this. I didn't need to like, that there's honey in our life. And so, so this is one of the ways that we, we start out this exercise. And same with, by the way, when we're doing our open reflection about what are ways that I first encounter God before we get into ways that we felt distant from God. The reason why we start with this is because um, there's something called a negativity bias. And, and what that means, some evolutionary um, uh, people theorize, is that, apologists, um, I guess I should call them, is that our mind has a negativity bias, meaning that we pay a disproportionate amount of attention to negative things. And this kind of makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint, right? Like if you were living in a cave and you were going to go walk to the field, and I'm not an evolutionary sociologist, don't come at me like that. So um, if you were living in a cave and, you know, you walked, you made this walk a hundred times, and one of those times, a saber-toothed tiger was waiting and like came at you and swiped at you and you, which of those a hundred days are you going to remember the most? Probably the one where the really bad thing happened <laughs> because our whole like, uh, uh, one of the ways that our brain is circuited is to uh, try to preserve our life, to try to look out for us. And so, of course, our memory is built to be like, I'm going to pay extra attention to the things that might harm me, to the things that make me feel uncomfortable, to the things that make me feel anxious, because like those are the very things that might, if they happen again, I want to be prepared so that I can survive. If there's another saber-toothed tiger, I want to remember this moment so that I can learn and adapt and and maybe take a different walk. That's called the negativity bias, and it serves us really well in a lot of ways. However, over time, there's something that happens uh, with the negativity bias where we start to like overly fixate on the, on the things that harm us and the things that make us anxious. And like that negativity bias is like a snowball of garbage that it just can just start accumulating more and more. So one of the, the central tasks of encountering God is to not say that the negativity bias is bad or we're shutting this out, because again, there's evolutionary logic to it, but rather to um, try to right-size the ne negativity or to try to remember the provision that is happening in our lives first. And so we start with honey as we reflect on our lives because sometimes it, the negativity bias stops us from seeing that there was honey in our life, those gratifying moments. But similarly, there are also uh, pearls in our life. And maybe you could star the pearls or like draw a pearl if you're <laughs> feeling very artistic. And what I mean by a pearl is, um, you know, uh, pearls come from um, oysters, right? And so the, the way that it happens is like a little piece of sand gets ingrained in the oyster and an oyster doesn't have limbs or opposable thumbs that can clear that out. And so instead, uh, uh, it starts to wrap the sand because the sand is so uh, sharp that it can actually like damage the oyster or it can like uh, uh, greatly irritate the oyster so much so that it's like, I can't abide with this. And so I have to start wrapping it. 
And that's how uh, pearls become so beautiful is because they're layers upon layers wrapped around and wrapped around. Uh, uh, and that's why it absorbs light in that really interesting way. In fact, one of the ways that you can tell whether a pearl is authentic or not is to put it against your teeth. And if you feel the kind of like bite of the different layers, that's how you know that it actually came from an oyster and it's not just a prefab because oysters take a lot of time to build pearls. And so what I mean by this is that in your life, there might've been moments of irritation, moments, uh, something in your life that was damaging to you, something that left you feeling um, consumed with how uh, painful it was. And those things also come with us into 2021, don't they? The, the, maybe uh, we're practicing on letting go of some things, but like the after effects still abide with us. And so, so part of the things that we have to approach this new year with, the part of the posture that we have to approach this new year with is what are the, the grains of sand that God is calling me to slowly wrap again and again until it becomes something beautiful? I learned this metaphor um, from two sources. One from the story of Jacob in the Old Testament where he was wrestling with God. Uh, there was like an angel who came down and like, I guess back in the time it was like, you want to wrestle? Sure. And so uh, they were wrestling and, um, and Jacob amazingly, it, there's a lot of interesting theology here, but Jacob was winning the wrestling match and the angels like, let me go. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let me, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so I kind of feel like that about these moments in my life where it's like, there's something here that is a blessing in store that like I need to wrestle, continue to wrestle with, to hold on to, because pain and suffering is a terrible thing to waste. There's so much wisdom that can come from pain and suffering, but like there's just some wrestling, some wrapping that needs to happen. The other place that I learned about this pearl metaphor is um, I used to be in a gospel choir and there was a lot of repetition in gospel music. There is a lot of repetition in gospel music, uh, much more so than the hymns that I grew up with, which um, those hymns were meant to be more like educational. And so it was like every verse, we're going to kind of talk about a different theological point. We're trying to get some good theology mixed in here. Um, it was That was like a very Charles Wesley kind of approach. Uh, and, and I grew up with hymns that were really different from this gospel music that was so repetitious, where it would be maybe like one to three lines that kind of keep getting repeated over and over again. And through my experience in that gospel choir, I realized like, ratchets and dismember us the way that it has. That's, uh, and, and through kind of this, spiritual practice, we can start to wrap it again and again. By the way, notice how I'm talking about a pearl that is like a, wrapped in such a way that it doesn't cause us harm anymore. I'm not saying we're 
pushing down the pain, <laughs> right? Like this isn't about like uh, uh, sublimation. This isn't like, I'm just gonna not feel the sand anymore. It's like, I'm gonna reckon deeply with that sand, wrap and sing over it in such a way that I can hold it differently or that I can um, be healed from it. Something that I learned from the trauma healing community is um, the line that you never really um, you never really forget trauma, but the healing that happens in your body makes you hold it differently, and that's kind of what we're talking about here with the pearls. So I think that kind of just goes right back to that question of who were you in 2021 when you look at the honey that's there? Yay! And you look at the pearls, ugh. and like what exactly you need to, how you're being called to move into 2021, I think is a very relevant question to Christianity. Because just like we heard in 2 Corinthians, God is doing a new thing. Like God is kind of like a new thing oriented God. <laughs> because there's a lot of, uh, of waste laid out from the empire. There's a lot of, of things that need healing, and God is trying to do a new thing. And one of the ways that we can discern what God is doing in our lives is to look back and see what God has done in our lives. This is um, uh, encapsulated in the concept of Sankofa, which is an image of a bird that looks back while having a, an egg in its mouth, or, or while carrying an egg. The idea is like sometimes we look back to our past with the promise of new life going forward. That's the Sankofa idea. And, uh, and the question for you is like, what exactly is in your history that might be inviting you into a different way of moving into the future? And the way that we know whether it's guided by the gospel is whether or not it, those action steps, that invitation is representative of the good news of the ministry of reconciliation. What I mean by that is, um, and the reason why this is important, is anyone on YouTube is like, let's talk about the new you, how to be more productive in 2022, how to start your 30 businesses, how to like get the best skin of your life, how to lose 900 pounds. Like anyone can talk about like new goals. Like that's a very like productionist, you know, like business marketing capitalism. Like all of us uh, are kind of oriented towards new goals. But the way that we can interrogate those goals or the way that we can do a little bit of proof testing on the goals to see whether or not they're inspired by God is whether or not it represents the good news of the ministry of reconciliation whether it aligns with God's vision for a liberating love in the world. And as we look at ourselves and as we consider our goals, I think that there's a real temptation to be like, you know what, I'm going to find a way basically to be harder on myself. Like I'm going to like really muscle up and I'm going to lose that weight or gain that weight or I'm really going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to um, do such and such and from kind of a shame place. And I think the good news of God is like, there's so much more beyond our shame. There's so, so, there's a vision of hope that is so available to us beyond shame when we start living in the good news. When we start like shifting our consciousness towards a loving consciousness of Jesus, tons of doors open up for what our future might hold. And so maybe it's not about, you know, set the goal, crush the goal, grind it into the ground. Maybe it's more about 
being a microcosm of good news in a macrocosm of, of pain and suffering in the world. Like how can we live into liberation a little bit more in a way that feels like it is actively liberating our bodies and our thing i know that this is a little bit like 2012 but i <laughs> i for those of you who aren't familiar with marie kondo so marie kondo is um a, a tidiness practitioner from japan who uh wrote a book that went like ultra ultra big and then she has had two netflix series and it's all about how we're relating to our stuff and at us back in the beginning of the pandemic we had a certain series called um uh, 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 healing the space. Do you remember that? Healing the space. So I kind of started dabbling into Marie Kondo during that. And it just kind of like changed my life because I don't know about you, but I, um, whatever like part of my brain needs to be online in order to like keep a tidy home, that part of the brain is like just thoroughly, missing it's just a, it's just an empty chasm you can yodel into it and it would echo in that part of my brain and so uh, a lot of times i felt like i was kind of in this vortex of stuff where i try to clean and then like within a week i would be like really messy again or i would just kind of feel like i'm constantly crammed in with how much stuff i have or i'm constantly feeling like i'm losing track of stuff or i can't find my stuff or or my stuff is like getting damaged because i shoved it under a thing that was really heavy and now it's like not even worth it anymore um, I had a hard time getting rid of broken stuff. Like at one point I had two broken printers that just lived in my room. And I just um, realized that there were things that had come into my life that I either needed to do some like spiritual practice to wrap around it or to let it go. And uh, just like God so often does, as I'm kind of starting to define what I would like to change in my life, God started to provide ways for me to go about that change. And so, um, so I got into Marie Kondoing and it's, it really, really taught me not only how to relate to stuff, but how to relate to life. <laughs> and uh, I'll, that's a little dramatic, but I'll, I'll walk you through the process really quick for those of you who aren't familiar. So um, without like copyright infringement and it's stealing her thing, I'll just in broad brush strokes, name that um, the first step is just to get everything that is similar together in one spot and not like up on the shelves, but to get everything that is similar onto the ground, actively engaging it. And so uh, if you're uh, tidying your clothes, then you take out all of your clothes and put it on your bed or into a pile on the, on the floor. And the reason why this is important is because sometimes we don't even know all of the stuff that we are holding onto until we put it into one visual place for us to be able to take in like, wow, I have a lot of things. Or wow, I have... Um, uh, multiples of things that I only that I thought I had only had one of, but actually, like snuck throughout my house was like several different packs of batteries or <laughs> several different of the same type of sock or whatever. And so um, there's a, a power in us amassing things to be able to see what exactly is going on in our lives. And one of the reasons why we do these this end of year reflection is because there is power in seeing gathered all in one spot the patterns that God is putting in your life of of 
uh, of where there is blessing, of where you're feeling far from God, there's power in saying, wow, for most of the weeks of my year, I had a really hard time with, you know, whatever it might be, uh, procrastination, anxiety, uh, this relationship with so-and-so. Like, there's power in kind of collecting it all together and saying, wow, this is what I'm actually dealing with. And so you kind of sort things out by category in Marie Kondoing. And then you go through that pile, holding it, physically touching it, and say, and asking yourself, what sparks joy? What sparks joy? And this isn't like, does it make sense for you to keep this? Will you need this later? Is there a situation where you could possibly use this? It's like, when you touch this, is there something in your gut that's like, this sparks joy in my life? And if so, put that into one spot. And then everything else that doesn't spark joy can go into a different spot. But don't like throw it or be aggressive with it because those things were part of your life for, and, and maybe they did add value to your life. Every time that you discard something, you say thank you. And so the applications to our broader life is clear, right? Like there's a certain type of embodied knowing of how you are relating to your life. There's a certain type of like gut instinct that's like, this is sparking joy. The way that I would say it is like, this is God's good news in the world. This is the ministry of reconciliation. Like there's a certain gut knowing to so many facets of your life. And there's, whenever that's not there, it's like an opt-in system instead of an opt-out system. Because a lot of times we keep things in our lives that are like kind of in that middle ground where it's like, oh, maybe I could use this. I don't know. Maybe it's nice. But the goal of this method is for you to create a life where you're surrounded by things that are actively sparking joy in your life. And similarly, uh, the goal of a Christian life is to create a lifestyle such that you are a purveyor of good news everywhere you might go, and you receive good news everywhere you might go. Um, and unlike a lot of people who do Marie Kondoing, like the goal is not just um, uh, pure comfort. The goal is is joy. <laughs> the, go- the goal isn't luxury. The goal is reality, is, is meaning in your life. Um, So kind of going through your life and asking yourself, like, what sparks joy and what doesn't spark joy is a powerful question when we consider our relationships, our professional situation, our living situation, our relationship to money. All of these things start um, start to shape how it is that we show up to the next year. And in fact, we're seeing a lot of people, Marie, condoing their lives, sometimes involuntarily, in the Great Resignation. There is more people leaving their jobs in 2021 than like the history of labor (laughs) in the United States. And I think part of the reason why is because people looked at their lives and said, this isn't sparking joy and COVID is a wake up call for me to realize that life is short and I kind of need to get busy with the kind of things that God is calling me to get busy with. And so, uh, so that might be a great resignation might be in your path, whether or not that be professional or something else. And then lastly, after you've kind of um, gone through a tidying festival, which is what we call uh, going by category through every single thing that you own and deciding where it's going to live, it's like uh, you start relating to things in in a joyful, 
um, in a joyful way because you realize that the things in your life are there to support you and not to extract from you. Um, and that's why, at least in my personal experience, the Marie Kondo method has allowed me to maintain a basically 100% clean apartment for the past year is because now it's not just like, oh, there's that thing on the floor that I need to put away and I hate that thing. It's like, oh, there's that book that I love. I should put that book that I love back to its little home that it likes to be in with its friends. And I should put this one spatula back in the spatula spot. Um, and, and it becomes a lot easier to maintain your home once you actually like the things that are in your home and where, where you know where everything lives. Um, because again, everything gets clumped together in really broad categories, right? Like all the books live in the book place. All the electronics live in the electronic place. All the bags live in the bag place, which means that every day I come home, I completely empty my backpack and put each of the things with their friends. And every day when I leave, I reassemble that bag and, and then go on my way, which sounds like a lot of work. But what I realized is that there's so much barnacles <laughs> that I accumulate throughout the day, like a little piece of paper, a lot of times like new city piece of paper, like worship companions that people wrote like one drawing of a dog on and then left <laughs> in the sanctuary. And I just, I'll just like quick toss that into my backpack or I'll just quick um, put that into my back pocket. And the ritual of going through the bag every day is the ritual of saying, um, I continue to have agency in my life. I, the, my choices matter, and that is like uh, evident because I'm deciding to recycle this thing right away. Eventually, uh, tidying your home, you realize, is not just about having a photogenic home. It's about being able to feel like there is at least one part of your life where you can exercise agency. And once you get in touch with that type of agency in relationship to your stuff, it changes the agency that you exercise in all the other parts of your life. And that's uh, uh, the, the tactic of, of this ministry of reconciliation is once we get in touch with any type of good news anywhere, we can start exercising good news everywhere. Once we get in touch with the gospel, have an experience of God anywhere, we start to see God everywhere. That's why we have worship and why we do spiritual practices, because we want to have particular times when we can encounter God so that we continue to bring that consciousness into the rest of our reality. And so as you reflect on your year, I invite you to pray about what sparks a certain good news in your life. What ways have you encountered God and how can you exercise your agency to as much as you can surround yourself with little, little bits of manna, little bits of daily bread to sustain yourself while knowing that we will always be encountering lots of sand. We'll always be sandblasted by the rest of the world. But how can we have little moments of dignity, liberation, and agency in community so that we can make it together? Uh, so that is my prayer for you in this coming year. If you were feeling any of that sermon, you can type amen in the chat. Many blessings to all of you. We'll see you next year. <laughs>